Today, we're going to put a bow on the 2021 championship season for Kennesaw State football. The typical ITN crew is here with you. Barkley Miller, Brandon Sutton, Jordan Griffith, and me, Nolan Alexander. So, guys, let's kick it off with this. How was the holiday break? How was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? How was time with family or without family? Hey, man, I had a great time during the break. Got to relax, just hang out. Uh, got to hit a little trip to Tampa. That was always that was pretty good. Got to see the Saints get that dub over Tampa, too. Never forget, Saints are still in it. Who dat? Uh, but it, it was just nice to relax, man, after the season, just hang out for a little bit. All right, it was nice having Brandon on the podcast. Barkley. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to start off with another uh, who dat. You know, the Saints still in the playoff hunt. Very excited about that. Uh, for real, though, I had a great time with family. You know, it was good to kind of get away. We all talked about it off air, but didn't watch a whole lot of football. Um, watched a little bit. Obviously, I had to watch the FBS Bowl, some of those. And some of the playoff games, like, you know, I know we're going to get into that a little bit, but it, it it was good though, you know. Me and my dad, that's always kind of been our bonding time, so we got to do that a good bit too. So it was nice to get away though. All right, Barkley's done in the podcast. Jordan, don't talk about the Saints. Oh, you know what? That, talking about the Aints isn't going to be a problem for me at all. Um, or apparently that's what people call them down here. But uh, for me, yeah, I finally graduated. That was kind of the big thing for me. Finally getting done with school. Then uh, again, like you guys said, spend time with family around Christmas time. Awesome. Post-graduation has been kind of slow, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Kind of just lounge around the house. Now I'm like, oh, I got to go find some fishing spots so I can fish in the spring, do all this and that. Uh, but it's, it's been it's been a good time. But it, it feels like a family reunion, us back here on the pod. I know it's been like, what, a month maybe? But, uh, you know, it's been a while, guys. It's been a while. Yeah, we've talked about doing this season wrap-up podcast, and the holidays came about, and we all took a break, and it's really good to see you guys. And I'm going to be candid on here i needed some time away from football after we left johnson city on december 4th i i I needed a break that took me a long time to get over it's still going to take me a long time to get over but uh i I needed to step away couldn't watch football for a while couldn't watch the playoff games but i'm ready to go i'm ready to watch the natty north dakota state and montana state this weekend and before we touched on that, we've got a, a variety of lists that we're going to go through for looking back at the championship 2021 season. And to start out with, guys, if you had told me beginning of the year, this team would go 11 and two and win the Big South championship. I would say I'm pumped about that. I am elated and I am ex- so excited for what's going to be in store. And. If you gave me, all right, all right, here's the games Kennesaw State's, you know, going to lose. Here's the two, um, not knowing who you play in the playoffs. I take that any day of the week. A 10-1 and one regular season with your only loss to an FBS team. You left the Big South Conference the right way, which is what you had talked about doing all season. But diving into it, now that we know what happened, the, the way that Kennesaw State put together some of these wins – Yes, the ones where you blow out the opponent like Monmouth in the championship game. That was so impressive. From an entertainment standpoint, the comeback wins, which gave us heart attacks, Gardner-Webb and North Alabama, those are some of the most fun ones as well. Yeah, so just going through the season, leaving with, when you guys left ETSU, I was here in Kennesaw just drowning out my sorrows just in disbelief. But – Looking at, at all this, uh, looking uh, looking back at this past season, 
we hit a lot of the check marks that these guys set in August. Win a Big South title, um, beat Monmouth, uh, settle things up with JSU one more time. Um, that, that, these are some. These are we hit a lot of the check marks that we set before the season, and that's what you want to see from a ball team, especially this being the last season in the Big South. You want to go out on a high note, especially going into a conference of just of knowing nothing. You just know these teams having not much experience against many of them. So just looking forward to that and just looking back on what we've done. I say this past season was a huge success for these guys and then finishing off with the conference championship, a, a pretty good uh, route in the playoffs didn't end the way we wanted it, but I still say all in all, this is a one season for these guys. Yeah, Brandon, you're right. And going on kind of awful, what you said, Nolan too, before the season, if you gave me these stats and told us that we'd finish the year 10 and one conference champions, leaving the big South, made it to the second round of the playoffs and eventually lost out, I, I think I would be, you know, very ecstatic with how that happened. And not that it takes anything away from the season, but after seeing how this team matured as a team and how they really came together and the talent that they put out there on the field, I, I don't want to say they came short, but the ending in Johnson City was definitely disappointing. Um, not anything against any of the guys, players, seniors, nothing like that. They played their hearts at it. It just didn't end up in our favor. But, man, this team, in my opinion, had the talent and the skill set to be able to make a deeper playoff run than they did. I think that they could have made it to even the semifinals and maybe the championship game. They had that kind of talent, especially the defense coming together at the end of the year the way they did. I mean, it's crazy to think, though, that they just exceeded my and I think a lot of others' expectations in that aspect. I mean, you look at the – but when they put on Monmouth in the conference championship game, nobody saw that coming, you know, and then you look at the people who were preseason all conference guys and then how Kennesaw just kind of cleaned up at the end of the year. We had a lot of guys come into their own and it was very exciting to see from some from such a young team. Yeah, and kind of going back to Nolan's point about the Gardner-Webb and the UNA games, obviously the most exciting games. And really when I look back on the season, yes, the Monmouth game was probably the one that stands out the most. But you just cannot forget about the Gardner-Webb game. You cannot forget about the UNA game, uh, one being on the road and Gardner-Webb being at home. Uh, and, you know, they brought out those winged helmets, the all-gray uniforms for their Gardner-Webb game. And, you know, that on paper, that shouldn't have been such a close game, but it was, and it was so amazing to be there and to witness that, but especially because of how they won both those games. Guys, they put the ball in the air a lot this year, and that's something that we did not think would happen. We thought this is going to be a traditional triple option. We talked about Shep running the triple option to a T the entire season. He put the ball in the air a lot. They did it often late in games, and it paid off. And that was uh, something we never, never would have thought we'd see this season. Yeah, and speaking of those records, our sports information department, the Michaels, Pitts and Goss, compiled all the records that were tied and broken this year. So... From an individual standpoint with Xavier Shepard, three-time All-American, single-season record for most completions, 77, passing yards, 1,341, touchdowns, 15, most passing touchdowns in a single game to that back-to-back week. It's Gardner-Webb and Robert Morris with four, most passing yards per game in a career, which he's still got some time to go, so he continues at this pace, 93.9 yards per game, and most passing yards per game in a single season at 88.4. As a team, Kennesaw State set, I mean, numerous records. It, it's a three-page Word document. But uh, want to look at the other side of the ball, too, defensively, as much as Shepard, you know, 
somewhat and didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but the season he had wasn't the expectation going in from the outside. Uh, someone that we had no expectation for what he was going to do was Evan Thompson, who had the single game record with 17 tackles against Gardner Webb and had the single season record for most tackles with 117 throughout the course of the year. And, you know, we, we said this a lot, not only in Inside the Nest, but on a broadcast, too. He, similar to Shepard, I mean, started, they weren't the starters beginning of the year. It wasn't until the Georgia Tech game. And for Thompson, it wasn't until the second half of the Georgia Tech game that he got more snaps and he really got going. So for the two of them to do what they did, and of course the season in which they didn't start and didn't always play the full games, you know, Thompson got banged up and Shep, of course, got hurt against ETSU to still have those records speaks to how well they played this year. Yeah, I mean, Thompson, I can't say enough about that kid. He's a freak, you know. <laughs> it seems like every time he was on the field, he was going to make a play. I kind of noted it, I believe, in our broadcast in the second half of the Georgia Tech game. I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but he's everywhere. We didn't hear anything about him coming out of camp, nothing preseason. I know he was listed as like, Oh, yeah, you know, he's the only player in Division One that plays golf and football. That's about it. That's the only thing we had. We knew he was a stud muffin at Florida Tech, but, you know, it, we didn't know how it really was going to translate here at Kennesaw State. But, man, he really stepped up and took the reins, especially from a defense that was trying, in my opinion, to find their, their identity post Bryson Armstrong, who went on had a great year at UCF, but – you know, you can't lose a guy like that and just bounce back right away. But this defense found a way, and they found a way to do it. And I think a lot of that was because of Evan Thompson. Then going to Shep, you got to talk about him too. I mean, just a fantastic year. Yeah, we thought he was going to have a decent year. A lot of people forget, though. I mean, Murphy won the quarterback job coming out of camp, and Shep didn't care. He stayed ready. He was ready to go, and he did a great job of maturing in that offense. So hats off to him as well. This year is definitely going to be one for the books. All the Kennesaw State fans that tuned in this year, I think this one's going to stick with them for a while. Just a lot of special storylines. We got to see a lot of cool things happen. I mean, heck, we we have the out raid now, baby. It's exciting to it's it's exciting to look into 2022. You know, Barkley, when are we getting the t-shirts? Oh man, we definitely need to get the t-shirts made. We'll, the whole ITN uh, crew will rep them. We'll post it on Instagram. So, Barclay, you, we also forgot to tell Nolan and JG about my uh, Nostradamus call during the uh, Bama game. Yeah, Brandon, we're sitting there watching the Bama game right against Cincinnati. And I forget exactly what happened. But we're all just, like, watching the game. Uh, I think it was Ritter dropped back to pass, and Brandon goes, oh, pick. And, as, like, as soon as he drops back to pass, I'm like, what are you talking about? Throws it right to battle. It was, it was pretty crazy. I was like, well, there you go, Brandon. Brandon's got one. Now Now JG's the only one that needs one. Hey, you're on the clock, JG. We need one coming from you. Now, now listen, I, I can't take that as evidence. I'm sure it did happen. I'm sure you guys are telling the truth, but it didn't happen on air. Um, I, I mean, I could just say, hey, I'm watching the game, and I had a Nostradamus call in my living room, but I'm not going to do that. So I, I'm, I'm still just, you know, not top, put any pressure on me. I'm still going to say Sutton needs one as well. Breaking out the first game of 2022, Suts out there every other play, trying to be Tony Romo. I will be down there calling every single play like I'm Coach Chestnut in the booth. <laughs> well, 
we came together and have a few different topics that we want to hit on related to the 2021 season. I'm going to toss it over to Jordan to kind of take us through this right now, uh, looking back at some of our favorite moments and some of our favorite plays. Today tastes like movie night. Okay, whose turn is it to choose? And everyone's favorite hit, pizza and Coke. Today tastes like front row seats for all, like cushions and popcorn. And counting the seconds. Today tastes like a slice of the action. Like we belong here and now. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. At Fifth Third Bank, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Just look at our name, Fifth Third. Five-thirds equals 166.7%. So, according to the laws of mathematics, we are obligated to put 166.7% into everything we do. From our great customer service, to our security solutions, to providing you access to over 45,000 fee-free ATMs nationwide. This is banking a fifth-third better. Learn more at 53.com. Fifth Third Bank, member FDIC. All right, guys, so I'm going to start this one off. Well, much like our scoreboard segments, I'm going to start this one off with a trivia question. I only have one of these, but I think I think Nolan might be the only one that's going to get this one right, honestly. What player did we interview the most this season? Go ahead, Barkley. Um, it's got to be Caleb O'Neill. No, I thought we had him on twice. It is not. I feel like no one knows. He, he's shaking his head. I want to hear Seth's answer. Is it Cole Loden? No. I will give you. I will give you guys one more guess. We interviewed this guy three times. Three times. Is this? Are we just talking about inside the nest or just like interviews? Like, oh man. Uh, see, oh. Caleb O'Neill. I thought was like. The definite because y'all interviewed him once without me. Then we had him on inside the nest once while I was here. Um, uh, if not, it might be uh, Jake Lasseter. There it is. It is Jake go. Lasseter. He was on inside the nest twice. We had him on, I think, in fall camp early in the season, then about halfway or, or close to the, toward the end of the season. And then Sut interviewed him on the sideline for the third time right after the Big South Championship. I never would. I see. I remember the interview, but I never would have thought to consider that. So you got you got me right there, JG. And listen, most of the interview was just him screaming, which was fine. It was great. It was <laughs> awesome. It was pure emotion. Everyone was loving it down on the sideline. It was awesome. What, what did Nolan say? We're a unofficial lineman uh, podcast. We're we're all about the linemen here. Yep. Big yep. boys need love too, man. All right, fellas. Now I have three topics that we are going to vote on. The first one. Let's vote for the single best play of the entire season. Now, not the best play of the game, but the best single play of the season by one player. Or, I guess, any, any amount of players. So, there's two that, there's three that stand out in my mind, okay? And I'm not going to say I'm going to vote for all three, but I'm just going to throw three out there. As far as, like, just best play itself. One... I, I think everything that has to happen for you to block a kick and return it back for a touchdown, which we did at Campbell, so much has to happen in that play, and it happened. 
I think that that was incredible. That is one of the most rare plays that you will see in football, period, not just college football. Two, a play that when we were compiling our 13 for 13 on social media uh, that I forgot about because it got the game was such a blowout that it almost somewhat got washed in the game. But it was the tipped interception, the one-handed pick by Javon Singletary, which Evan Thompson tipped it and Singletary had the one-handed snag. I thought that was an incredible play. And again, halted what could have been multiple comeback attempts by Jacksonville State, but their offense couldn't get going at all. And the third was game one, Welton Spotsville's interception. Just the, the, the athletic feat that took that and the fact that he didn't break his neck afterward. All of those were incredible. Uh, I, I think I have to go with the blocked field goal because I think that was a true team play. You know, even though Desmond Scott got the block, it factors in everyone else's push up front on the, on the, on the line, on the defensive line. The timing of that and that Corey Burks was there and that he ran, I think, a 2-5-40 the rest of the way, sprinting down the sideline. And that was a close game, too. And then that really put it out of reach against Campbell. So that seems like a team play to me, but athletic feat for Spotsville and also athletic feat on the assist from Evan into Javon Singletary. Dang, Nolan going with three defensive plays. I, I like it. Yeah. Like it. Hey, um, I'm going to go a little different direction. I think, to me, single, just like most impressive, crazy, poise, maturity, like just athletic ability, I feel like this just embodies why people love watching football and college football at that. I mean, the Xavier Hill – touchdown against Gardner Webb, you know, last second, like in the corner of the end zone, go up and moss him. I mean, just so impressive. Like Shep couldn't have put it anywhere better. Hill just out athletic. Everyone on the field got up and snagged it while being tackled. And then to do all of that while you know the game's on the line, because you know it is, is just even more impressive. So I have to go with that one. I know that's kind of easy to go with, but, man, that is just so nuts. You you only get to see that once every five to ten years maybe. And I'm not going to lie, Barclay, I went with that one too. But side, sidebar, sidebar right here. Who who has the more spectacular performance on that play? Shepard or Shepard? That's the question for you. But since you went with that one, I want to go back to Nolan. The block kick for a return for a touchdown, I have to agree with him. Just so many different factors have to come together. Like, you can block a punt, I mean, block a kick, and then just the ball just flies everywhere. But for it to, everything to fall in line for you to get that into the end zone, I think that's just more showing just as an ex, like an excellent play from every person on the field. And, and I feel like that's one of the, spectac- the most spectacular play from this season. Yeah, I actually, making this up, voting for the single best play, I, I had that Campbell field goal return in mind. It, that To me, that was by far the one that stood out the most. Obviously, because so many of these plays were in such big moments, like the, like the touchdown against Gardner-Webb for Xavier Hill, like you were talking about Barkley. But that Campbell game was actually kind of close. And I know we don't, we don't really look back on it like that. But that was a pretty tough battle on the road in Bowie Creek, North Carolina. That field goal return, or the touchdown return, technically off the block field goal, like Nolan said, everything has to be so perfect. The ball has to bounce right into your lap. It did. 
Burks has to outrun absolutely everybody. He did. And it, it was just such it, it was just such a play that I think st- sticks out in my mind so much. That's the one I have to go with. And again, that was a close game, and that iced the game. Once that happened, there was no momentum left uh, for Campbell, and that was a road win for Kennesaw State. That was, to me, the, the best play of the year. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I remember correctly, it was Todd 7-7 whenever that happened. Kennesaw State ended up winning – 30 to 7 and that's with a garbage time touchdown uh that was definitely a lot closer than the score sheet and the stats are gonna show you but that's just because their offense couldn't get anything going their only touchdown if y'all remember is from an xavier shepherd um yeah fumble at the one yard line they picked up yep. and took 99 yards for a touchdown and that play was a 10 point swing on the blocked field goal because yeah. otherwise campbell gets three and Campbell, I think, missed two other field goals that game. Like, they were, like, 0 for 3, 0 for 4, Bad. something terrible when it came to field goals. Yeah, they, they left some points out there. Um, on the opposite side of this, if I could interrupt, Jordan, I'm curious what you guys think is what is one of the most underrated plays of this season. I have one in mind. Uh Whenever you say underrated, do you mean underrated plays or performances? Because play, like okay. so, like this this play meant a lot in the season, but it uh-huh. didn't garner the attention of anything that we just talked about. Okay, um, I have one, and it's not going to be. I don't want to say super underrated because it wasn't just like crazy underrated, but I'm going to have to go with Sonny Smith crazy catch and everything against Jacksonville state. Um, that one was crazy to watch. And and I think that that definitely led to kind of how Kennesaw state just dominated that game. I'm going to have to take it back to the first time we saw the shepherd to shepherd pass, which I think was, was it, what was the game for garden web? Hold up. hold, Hold up. He means Shepard. Xavier Xavier. Yeah, he means Xavier, 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 Xavier. Yeah. Xavier. My bad. But I said Shepard. I'm pretty sure Xavier Hill. I didn't Hill, want to correct him. I just said. Uh, Xavier Hill didn't have a reception until the Gardner-Webb game at the beginning was of that, that game, first, right? It was – right? he had the touchdown catch against Robert Morris after. That Okay. I, then so, yeah, he had two touchdowns, Gardner-Webb, and then one against Robert Morris after. So, I want to say it was that first that first one because, mm-hmm. one, that was just the revival of the, the J-Sump corner – just get to the pylon. I'm going to put the ball there. That that corner jump pass that we saw so many times from Justin Sumter. And I feel like I was like one of the, the first times we're seeing just the true expansion of us, the passing that we saw this year. I'm going to go with, I'm going to give my guys some love here because I think this also happened when it was in garbage time and people also kind of just glazed over, but Nathan Robertson's field goal against Robert Morris, it didn't really have a whole lot of impact on the game. Cause again, that game was, Mostly a blowout in the second half, but a career long, if I'm not wrong, is that a KSU long as well? So, Correct. yeah, yep. break, breaking that record. That's not easy to do. And a guy that was so accurate for so many years for Kennesaw State, uh, you know, got to give my guy uh, Nathan Robertson some love. So that that's that's going to be my play. I think that kind of went under the radar again because of the implications that were in the, late in that game. Yeah, 48-yarder, Kennesaw State record. And uh, compiling the record books, pointed out our SDs pointed out that Robertson has the five longest field goals in KSU history. So, uh, okay. For me, I want to take y'all back to Florence, Alabama, North Alabama calls a timeout with 424 left in the ball game has a third and seven at the Kennesaw state 11 yard line up 24 or excuse me, uh, 
at that point tied 21 apiece and UNA had all the momentum and then following a timeout, they give the ball to Jackson Carson, who bathed himself in butter before the game could not be tackled. Kennesaw State gets him for a one-yard loss and a stretch play to the right. Carrick Reese got credited for the tackle, the TFL there. But I think going back looking at the film, it was like two or three dudes from the D-line. Linebackers were in there. It was a true defensive effort. That held UNA to the field goal. Owls go on to win 28-24. I think that was one of the biggest plays this season because if UNA scores a touchdown there, yeah, looking back, Kennesaw State scored a touchdown. Then you go into overtime and you don't know what's going to happen there. So I think that was one of the the more underrated plays that I know we gave it credit afterward on the podcast and during the broadcast too. But I just think that was such a huge moment looking back at the whole season. Yeah, I think that's a great one, Nolan. And especially just thinking back to that, I, I don't know if, if Jackson Carson, the running back from UNA, was stopped for a no gain or a loss any time before that play. I mean, it, it just felt like that kid was going to get – five to six yards a pop, no matter how many times he touched the ball. And then just it, it, it was just like a battle of wills. Finally, the Kennesaw State defense got something going and stuffed him. And that, that was huge to hold him to a field goal. And I don't know about you guys. You, you could kind of feel the air deflate a little bit from the UNA crowd just have for them having to settle for a field goal there. I mean, a touchdown would have sealed it almost. I think something else that, that's big a part of that is if Kennesaw State drops – the Gardner-Webb or the UNA game, imagine what the committee would have done. I mean, the disrespect that Kennesaw State already have has gotten, I mean, if they drop one of those games, who knows what, what would have happened. So that was a big play, like like Nolan said, something that's uh, definitely underrated. But uh, I got something else you guys need to vote on. What surprised you the most from the beginning of the season to the end? Maybe it's a position group, a single player that stepped up the most. I know we talked about Evan Thompson already. Um, but what's a player or a position group, maybe even coaches that you think uh, stepped up the most this year? I got to go with Caleb O'Neill. I, I, I have always liked Caleb. I've always liked the effort that he brought in. But the production that he was able to get as a receiver this year uh, was fantastic. He had five touchdown passes, had a couple touchdown reception games. Uh, what he did blocking wise was outstanding. We, we heard all the time from the coaches, you know, he, he'd win the knockdown battle as a receiver. So uh, he, he's someone that had had battled bumps and bruises and injuries uh, over the past couple of years at Kennesaw State. But he fought through a lot this year. I was pleasantly surprised at the output from a receiver production that he was able to put together. And he was a huge factor on this team in 2021. So I'm, I'm going to have to I mean, I'm sure there's no surprise from anybody, but I'm going to lean towards the OL group, but mostly towards um uh, big man Jake Lasseter, who we've already talked about today, but he he just did such a great job of just keeping himself healthy, being a super senior, being readily available for that offensive line group each and every week, where this season we saw that a lot of those guys were uh, fighting injuries week in, week out, just uh, rotating around, and he was just one of those consistent guys that was always there in place. Yeah, he missed a few uh, snaps or a few game uh, quarters at the end of the season, late but he was still there week by week just trying to do everything he could to plug in fit in and make the best of his opportunities individually i'm gonna go caleb o'neill was a great one but i have to go with evan thompson because that's a kid that hadn't taken any snaps before this season for kennesaw state and we talked about it you know transferring from 
Division Two, not that it's that different, but up to FCS, you know, that, that is a jump, especially in the speed and and only having one year to make a, a statement and he was able to do it the way he was. I got to go with him. And as a group, I got to go with the linebackers, too. You got to look at that linebacking core. They lost two all-conference guys coming in this year and Kareem Taylor and Bryson Armstrong. And they were able to rebound and be the force that they were with Evan Thompson, Chance Bates, Reddick, um, Spotsville, whoever they had in there, it seemed like they were going to make plays. So I think that that group as a whole just really made a statement this year, and it, it was a pleasure to watch them play. For me, I mean, you guys made a lot of great points. I want to highlight a few things. My first thought is also what Barkley just said. To me, the linebacking core, I mean, to make it look as though they didn't miss a single beat compared to, like you were saying, missing two two all big South linebackers that doesn't ever happen, especially with a position such so cerebral as linebackers. Um, and they, they did a great job this year. Evan Thompson, Reddick, Bates, Spotsville. It was deep. Um, something else I, I think Sud also hit on the offensive line, their ability to fight off the injuries. Now they were injured. I think probably the most injured, I would say probably the most injured group in room in the entire team so far this year. They were able to overcome those, and it was never an excuse. It was always – I know it's a cliche, right, but the next man up. And it really was. And they filled spots in. Guys got to move around the entire season. That was never really talked about because they were winning and because they were covering up for the injuries. Um, and I think another guy that really stood out to me is the freshman, Gabriel Binyard. And he was a spark plug in this offense. The A-back room was also something that I think stood out to me. Guys, they lost Isaac Foster. He pretty much didn't play the entire season, and that that's a big deal. And you guys got you got guys like Pharaoh, Adelike, Cousin. I mean, he was so instrumental to this team this year. And then a guy like Binyard to provide a spark. I mean, there were a lot of guys that I think jumped off the page. Not that they weren't supposed to or that we didn't anticipate that because it always happens with a Brian Bohannon team. But those guys specifically, I, I think maybe more years than others, we've had a certain amount of guys that jump off. I think Binyard is another one that caps that off. I was going to say, and speaking of Isaac Foster being hurt, he's one of the guys that's been announced as a super senior coming back for next year. So I'm really hopeful next year is injury-free for Isaac. He gets to play one last full season, and I am so excited to see what he can do because that little spurt when he was healthy this past year, that quarter and a half against Georgia Tech, he was a difference maker. He was really electric this season, man. Like, I know he didn't get much time, but just being able to have him back and the difference he'll make in that slot room going into next season, I think that's going to be a huge difference for these young guys. And a different angle to look at it is having him back as a leader. I think that's going to be really big for this program. I think that they missed him on the field as a leader this year. Now, that's not saying other guys didn't step up because they did. But just having that maturity and the way that he carries himself in the locker room, I think speaks volumes is going to help this team out in 2022. All right, guys, I got one more thing for us to vote on. And I don't want to exclude you, Sut, but it's probably going to be that way. What was our favorite road trip? We had we had quite a few this year, some pretty eventful ones, some, some running jokes that we have that we keep running into the ground that are awesome. But all around, what was the best road trip this season? I have, I definitely have one in mind that I think stands out, but I want to hear your opinions first. North Alabama was like the longest day trip of my life. I don't know how we got back so late, but the coming back part was hilarious. Uh, we're not going to tell that story 
on air for fear of embarrassment for someone. Uh, we had Robert Morris, we had Campbell, we had ETSU, Ooh, Hampton is the other one I'm missing. Yeah. Um, not the Singletree Hotel stay in Hampton, but I'm going to go with uh, Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with the Robert Morris trip. That was a good one. Bobby Moe was good. Um, good old Bowie Creek. I wasn't really a big fan of that one. Uh, I agree. The single tree at Hampton wasn't great. <laughs> um, and honestly, just like, I don't know, that whole Hampton trip was just, the, the weather wasn't great. It was like that weird, rainy, just nasty. Uh, uh I will say the one the one part of Hampton that was fun before we get your answer, not to cut you off. Uh, the one part of Hampton that was fun was coming back from dinner and our Lyft driver from Oklahoma talking about Tiger King and then playing Garth Brooks for us. And us all able to sing Garth Brooks on the ride back. That was a plus right there. That that, that was pretty a plus. Uh, you know, even with how sad it is and with how crazy and everything that was going on. I'm going to have to go with ETSU just because it, I don't know. I think it made me personally able to take a step back and realize really how much I enjoy being able to do this with you guys and everybody else that's involved in the, in the Kennesaw state football staff. That just really allowed me to reflect. Um, and I don't know. It just made me really appreciative. So just sentimental value. I got to go with that one. Yeah, for me, I, I can't believe Barkley. You're kind of dissing the one my answer, which is Campbell. I, that was actually my favorite trip going up there. And and mostly because, guys, when I tell you about Carolina Ale House, okay, this restaurant in the middle of, I think we were staying in Gray, North Carolina. It was like just Cary. outside. Cary. Okay, right. Okay, there we go. Uh, I think just not that far outside of Raleigh. We went there twice in the same night. I mean, that's how great that place is. You know, y'all you know, went there twice. I didn't go the second yeah, time. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you didn't come with us. But Carolina Alehouse, listen, the second time around, we even went to a different restaurant to get to check the vibes. Mr. Kyle Hess was not feeling the vibes, so we went right back to Carolina Alehouse, and we were taken care of. And that place was that place was awesome. Um, the game was great. It was uh, again the scoop and score, something you don't see a whole lot. But for me, I care a lot about the setup. Because I I, I got to put that board in. I'm the one who's got to who's got to press the the fancy buttons. So I love the Campbell setup the most. I, I think it was probably the nicest press box we were in. ETSU was very nice as well. I do I do want that to be out there as well. But factoring all of that in and the fact that we could always look over our shoulder and see Pitts and Goss's reactions uh, throughout the entire game, right through the other press box glass, uh, that was a, almost an unbeaten experience. And the fact that we were so mad that the Camel was a complete lie that they lied straight to our face that the camel was going to be there and it wasn't that that was that was a big deal for me you're, you're right jg we, we checked the social media and everything after there was no post of a camel so there, there was no camel but jg forgets no one uh, part of the reason that i, I had, couldn't put that one as my favorite it, he forget i almost had to fight somebody in the elevator for him so they let us run up. Y'all don't remember that? <laughs> I, like, I remember it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I couldn't put that as my favorite. I, I wasn't very happy about that. Uh, look, my playing days are long over. The uh, aggressive whatever football player, me, uh, that, that's done. I, I try to walk around as a nice guy. I, I want to have fun, you know, uh, good vibes. 
the vibes were not brought that day to be good. It, it was not it. And then I, I and then that statue, the you there's no way it's just standing on one leg. And I go touch it, it almost falls over. I was like, man, this this could have been a disaster. So can't put that one as first, but it was fun. I, I agree. But you gotta think, JG, you talk about being able to look over and see Goss and Pitts' reaction and everything. We got to do that Bobby Motu. Now the press box setup wasn't great, but uh it, it was we got to see all their reactions. Bobby Moe, for those that uh, don't remember, we were, which is Robert Morris. They affectionately call themselves Bobby Moe, so we're not poking fun at them. Uh, Bobby Moe was in a conference room. We, we were literally in a, in a conference room that had counters to serve for the broadcast crew. But, like, behind us, there was a conference room desk. And back behind our left shoulders, there was somebody's actual office that was used Monday through Friday. One of the most unique setups. But for me, it was a fun trip. Uh, we had some fun memories at dinner the night before, obviously the plane ride up. That's where, uh, girls first started, which you've, you've heard the story behind it. If you listen to inside the nest. And as Jordan said, that's one of those jokes that has been buried, buried to the ground by us. We forgot a trip guys. Wofford, Nathan McCreary in at halftime sitting three rows up in the stands rating the uh, hot dog or whatever they got. Oh, pretzel. It was a pretzel. Wofford was a good trip. And that was also, for me and Barkley, that was like our, our introductory to the Michaels. And even Sonya, because she, we didn't really know her that well either. Now we know Pitt. Now we're all best friends. All going to be uh, the, the best man at Barkley's wedding. Is apparently, that's what he told all of us. But um uh, you know, going up there to Wofford, that was like that's that was a trip that started all trips. And yeah, that was a that was a pretty impressive trip as well. Barkley, I mean I mean you're an indoor cat now, is that what you're trying to say? You're domesticated, you're not gonna be aggressive because you've been assaulted going to the press box twice this year at home. Because you coming into Reinhardt, you had to you were gonna propose at halftime. Someone wouldn't let you in, security wouldn't let you in, and then you also caught an elbow at the Monmouth game coming into the press box. So I think you have to be an outdoor cat again, man. North Carolina A&T. Okay, no, okay. Yep, yep. No, don't want to get anything against the Monmouth fans. North Carolina A&T. Um, but not crazy, right? It's nuts. But hey, hey, 2022 is a new year. We're we're gonna we're gonna take a step back. We're we're gonna we're gonna realize some things. It's gonna be okay. I'm still gonna be an indoor cat. Just you know, might be an indoor cat with my claws out. It's gonna be all right though. <laughs> well, if any fans run into Michael Pitts at a softball game for Kennesaw State this spring or spring football, ask him about the Wofford trip. That's his favorite. Be sure to ask him, especially about the ending after the game. Well, I, I will say this, though, for road trips next year as the schedule's you know, not out right now publicly. Uh, obviously, there was one game that was announced a while ago that is common knowledge, and that's Cincinnati which you can look up is on September 10th at Nippert Stadium up in Cincy. Looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a really fun trip. I'm excited for it. We'll give our hot takes on Skyline Chili that week on Inside the Nest. Uh, you know what? We should probably just get some and like eat it and sample it on Inside the Nest and get our rapid reactions. How's that sound? Is everybody going to be upset if I say it's mid? No, we got to get some honest takes. Let's face it, Barkley. As much as you love food, you ain't going to say that. <laughs> I mean, hey, you too. Hey, I hey, know I'm a big boy. Hey, next year when we do this, Barkley's going to be a married man. You dang right. I'm happier for it. 
<laughs> good answer. <Bruno>. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brittany, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I think she I does. Didn't say that. All right, Jordan, you got any any other special topics for us to hit on this season before we take a look at some other stuff? That was that was all I had for you guys. Cool. I want to go with since we're talking about kind of some more personal things here to let fans in peek behind the curtain. I want to say one of my best memories this year is the post-game interview with Brandon and Coach Bo after the Monmouth game. We have a GoPro footage, which will be on Owl Network Twitter at some point this offseason. We are losing our minds when he talks about Brandon getting a ring, calls him Jump Street. It was... (laughs) One of one of like the best pure jubilation moments that I've ever had on radio. That's one of my top moments of the year. And, and you know what? For me, my top moment actually followed that pretty closely. Um, right afterward, after the games over, we finally wrapped it up. It was by far our longest post game show ever, and I don't I don't care. It was it was like forty minutes maybe, and didn't matter at all. Right afterward, we talked Nolan, Mister Nolan Alexander, into running a forty yard dash on the field, and he did it. And he ran a four two. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, that wasn't his time, but he, he ran a forty yard dash, and that was that was uh, pretty cool to see. It doesn't matter what his time was. His time was significantly faster than Bryce's. That's the only thing that really mattered. the The number at the end of the day, whatever. It, it, but he was significantly faster than Bryce. So that was that was good to have. Uh, me personally, selfishly. My moment of the year was being able to uh, propose to Brittany at Fifth Third Bank during halftime at the Reinhardt game. That was really special to me um, and just kind of sealed how great um, 2021 was your, as a year, especially a year in football. Yeah, Brittany definitely listens to this with these answers. I think she's sitting next to him, but uh not going to question it. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to have to go back to JG's because – Yes, watching Nolan run the 40 was nice, but there was nothing funnier than watching Bryce trying to line up on the, on the goal line and just trying to figure out, all right, hey, when, when can I go? When, when can I go? I'm like, run! Run! Remember, Brandon, me and you had the same time. Yeah. Like, on a, to, to the millisecond. Or, oh, yeah. JG was, was like, that's impressive. Thing. Yeah, that – even if you tried to do that, I mean, down to the, to, like you said, the millisecond. I remember that specifically. You couldn't do that if you tried. That, that, that's pretty insane. Uh, you you got to know when to hit the watch, man. You just got to know. You guys are, are professionally trained, for sure. I want to take a look ahead to 2022. Uh, not as much spring practice. We'll, we'll get to that when it comes. We'll be back out there on, on the perch. But what's ahead for this team? We know you're concerned for your health, but rest assured, we are here for you. Our hospitals, health parks, and offices are open and taking every safety precaution so you can get the care you need. Wellstar, more than health care, people care. So we'll, we'll start play in the inaugural full season for ASUN football alongside Central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky, Jacksonville State, North Alabama, and Austin P. We know what we're getting with North Alabama. We know that very well. Everyone else, and Jack State, but with the other ones, there, there's a bit of an unknown out there. I will say this. One thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing these stadiums 
across the landscape for what's going to be A-Sun football and the fan bases they have. I'm really looking forward to that. Eastern Kentucky, I don't know if it's going to be home or away, but I think it's going to be a lively atmosphere whenever we do go up to EKU. Central Arkansas, I will be making sure that we all have migraine medicine if we're looking at that field, but I think that's going to be a fun atmosphere out in Conway. North Alabama is a budding rivalry. We're going to get a little one and done here with Jacksonville State before they're off to Conference USA, and they're going to have Rich Rod. There's going to be a lot of hoopla going into that game too. And Austin P is going to be fun. That's in Nashville. They've got a nice stadium. They have a really good fan base. That program has turned the corner since Will Healy started there a handful of years ago. I think it's going to be competitive. I think football is going to be exciting in 2022, and there's going to be no shortage of storylines and great atmospheres next year for KSU. I think you're exactly right, Nolan. Next year is going to be really, really exciting. I think in some ways to these coaches, it's going to be like a look back to the 2015 season. You're coming to a new background. We know some of these teams because some of them had experience against them at different programs. But a lot of these people, a lot of these guys we're going up against, we've never seen before. Uh, We don't know what atmosphere we're going into. So I I think for for these coaches, they're just looking at it like that because that season we every week we were preparing for something new. We didn't know what we were going to get. And we had to just come out and try to give our best. And that's what we did that first year. So coming into this season, I believe they're going to have to use some of those same ideal uh, ideas, uh, lean on these guys that were around when when we uh, things were first, first getting uh, started up. There aren't many left, but still a few of them out on the team. And I think this is going to be a really high excitement level for these guys coming to a new conference, looking to put the stamp on something brand new that's never been done before, a lot like we did when we first started up in the Big South. Yeah, going into this new conference, I don't think uh, the opponents are going to change, but definitely the expectations and everything that Coach Bohan embodies with this football program, nothing else is going to change. I think the expectation is still going to be a conference champion. He's going to talk about it. I know, you know, these guys have the opportunity to be the first ever A-Sun conference champions. That's a big deal. That's something that's never going to go away. Kelly, me and Brandon, we were able to be part of the first ever recruiting class, the first ever Kennesaw State football team. You know, we were part of the first ever Kennesaw State Conference champions. Now they get to build on top of that and be a part of something else that is going to go down as history and be special. So it's kind of weird. It's exciting for us because we get to see these new opponents. We get to see the rivalry when Jack State and then UNA, that developing rivalry. But whenever it comes to the expectations and how everything is going to be run, I mean, this is a well-oiled machine. I don't think there's really going to be much of a bump in the road, especially with Shepard coming back. There's going to be some new faces. There are going to be some guys that are going to need to step up. That's going to be exciting to watch. But I, I expect nothing less than a conference championship-ish performance from these guys. It's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, and kind of looking at it from a student's perspective, or I guess now a former student's perspective, now that it's finally unified, that you can play all these A-Sun teams at all of the sports now. With football, it was, listen, they were in the Big South, and that's, that's you know, what they could do at the time. It was just a little difficult to get the rivalries going quite as much as it was if you're playing them the entire season in all these other sports. You're playing UNA in basketball. You're playing, you're playing uh, all these other teams in basketball, baseball, and now in football. That adds something to a student experience that says, hey, I can watch them all season round, play the same kind of teams, and then we can go beat them in the fall. And guys, 
after the ETSU game, this team, they're going to play angry. And it's not going to be pretty for the A-Sun in the first year. Uh, they're going to have to look out for, for the newcomers in Kennesaw State. Y'all, do we, do we have a last fact or fiction or would you rather? Yeah, I have a fact or fiction. Oh, gosh. Golf or moon? What's it going to be, Barkley? <laughs> we don't have any of those, but JG, do you have a would you rather? I don't, but I can I can find one real quick. If you have a fact or fiction, I can find one. Man, I'm the only one that came prepared. It's okay. Listen, it it's was okay. a reunion. I was excited to see everybody. I could, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just playing with you, man. I'm just playing with material. So, fact or fiction. First hold, of all, hold on. I've got I have a, I have a would you rather. We can do it after the fact or fiction. But I, okay. I've got I came up with one. Oh, sweet, perfect. I, I want to know though. Do we know like what what's the score? Who won? The 2021 season is that up? Is that up today or like we starting the 22 season today? I mean, you know, like, what are we doing? I think Nolan won the final. Did he not? I, no, I don't think I did. So I think you did. I, I think I think I was one behind. Either I was one behind you or we're tied. I think I want to say y'all are tied. Yeah, I think me and JG tied. I so think this could be the championship. Too. And I think this is for all the marbles. That's why I thought it was important, why I made sure I was prepped and ready for this. All right. All right. I, I will take I'll take the time. This is for the belt, son. I'll go I'll go first since mine doesn't matter in the standings. Okay. You're you're going first, like you're gonna do the would you rather? No, I'll I'll answer okay, the okay, fact okay. or fiction first. So give them more time to think on it. Okay, good. I, I like this. So fact or fiction, right? I went science, naturally. Um, the earth is hurtling through space at 67,000 miles per hour. Yeah, you read that right. 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. And the fact that we're in a constant state of motion is what makes it feel like we don't have the effects of traveling through space at such speeds. And then number two. One day on Earth is not really 24 hours. It is 23 hours and 58 minutes long. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? And that is actually why we have a leap year. So that seems right. However, however, between the two of these, there's something that's like very, very, very similar in that they're this close to being correct, and Barkley's just switched a number here or there, something like that. I'm going to say the second one's true, the first one's false, just because instead of 67,000, it's 67,001 miles per hour, something like that. Personally, I, I'm going to go with the first one just because I think he was too specific with the second one. But at the exact same time, I may just be handing JG a belt. But I'm going to stick with the first one. You're going with the first one being fact or the first one being fiction? First one being fact. Okay. You know what? Actually, I was going to go with the second one. So we're not, you know, forced to pick opposite, even though we probably don't believe it. I think the second one's true. It just, it came off a little, it came off smoother, which I feel like you probably rehearsed, which might make it. Fiction. I don't know. I've overthought a lot of these, but I mean, it's put me in a good spot. Obviously, I'm tied with Sut here. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the second one. Me and Sut. This is this is a winner take all here. The second one is true. The first one is incorrect, Brandon, because the Earth 
is actually traveling at 66,000 miles per hour around the sun. Nolan, you yep. called it. You, yep. you called it. So congratulations, JG. You are the Factor Fiction champion. I, I appreciate it in the inaugural Factor Fiction season, uh, getting the first championship out of the way. Uh, I, like, I, I have a lot of people to thank. Uh, we could do that for another episode. But I mean, specifically, uh, so, honestly, th- this this should have happened. I invented the game. This is like playing basketball against, you know, Dr. Naismith, even though he did have a losing record at KU. I mean, it, it's OK. This is how it's supposed to go. I- I'm glad I won it. Take a lot of pressure off of me. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to be here, guys. Hey, hey JG, congratulations. I'm happy, I'm happy for you, man. But you know what? Better watch your back. I'm always undercover. <laughs> old jump street old jump street yep so a last version here of um would you rather since a large portion of us as we've come to find out over the last half of the season are seinfeld fans would you rather be george or kramer easy so my favorite my favorite character is definitely george because i think he's hilarious he screws up everything but I would rather be Kramer because, I mean, he has such a, a worry-free life, and he doesn't really care about anything. So I would rather be Kramer, but I, I like George a little bit better. Hands down, no question, Kramer. Or uh, Dr. Vaughn, uh, oh, I forgot. Dang it. But, yeah, Kramer, he, he's, he has the greatest life. He, he eats every day for free. He's the key to everybody's apartment. He's the best guy ever. Um... As I told you guys before, I've seen a few Seinfeld episodes. Definitely not a big Seinfeld fan. I've never really sat down and just watched the whole series. So I guess I'm going to go with Kramer. Um, I couldn't really tell you what the difference between the two are. I've, and all the episodes I've seen are over at Such House. So it's not like I just am an avid watcher of Seinfeld. So from wire to wire, you are the villain. And you've been the villain, and now you continue to be the villain with a statement like that. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Let, Barker, let me ask you a side, another side question. Have you seen Friends? Love Friends. He's Joey. <laughs> I love Joey. I'm with you guys. I got to pick Cosmo Kramer. So I just wanted to see if anyone was feeling Mr. Costanza out there. Well, gentlemen, as we uh, – Put the final bow on the 2021 season. It's been an absolute pleasure bringing you this podcast every single week for you, the listener, uh, for you guys here, gentlemen here. It, it's been an absolute pleasure recording this podcast with you and look forward to seeing you guys back out of the perch here in, uh, in a few months, getting ready for spring practice and the inaugural A-Sun football season in 2022 for KSU. Hootie-hoo! 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 Hootie-hoo!